Over the millennia, the Isle of Man has faced all kinds of challenges. Being taken over by Vikings, being taken over by the English, being taken over by the Scottish, being taken over by the English again, then the Scots again, then finally being taken over by Dandara. There was national heartbreak when Sam Barks failed to win I'd Do Anything on the BBC, missing out on a chance to become Nancy in the West End. In recent years, there have been even more pressing things to worry about. The hours of discussion on how to spend millions of pounds of taxpayers' money on Douglas Prom without actually making any improvements at all. The debate over legalising cannabis and the struggle to find a reliable airline for the island, both of which have the ultimate aim of getting locals high on a regular basis, although neither will ever happen. Nothing, however, could prepare the island for the invisible enemy it's faced this year. How do we deal with a man who wants to live like a squirrel? Oh, and obviously, there was a small matter of that virus thing as well. So join us as we take a look back at how one small island, its citizens, its rulers and its media have dealt with a year to end all years, hopefully. Welcome to IM19. And first today on the show, we have a disturbing report on the plight of some of the Manx residents who were forced to endure two weeks in a top hotel after returning to the island during lockdown. Many of them were coming back to the island directly from some well-publicised hotspots such as the Gold Coast, Lanzarote, Saint-Tropez and the Maldives. Let's join our local democracy and Paris skullduggery reporter, Mickey Ernest, who has the story. Moramai. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain, coming round the mountain, coming round the mountain when she comes. Right, 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 right. Can you stop that, please? Stop it. Come on, we're not licensed for music on these trips, you know. You knew the actions people. Sit, sit down, please, everyone. Put your seatbelts on, like I told you to. Oh, come on. What you've just heard there is a covert recording made at huge personal risk by one of the many internees being transported via a coach to what some people have called comdits. It really gives you a sense of the terror and stark conditions which many of them had to face before they even arrived at what was to be their prison for several days full board. We spoke to Jack not his real name, though personally I prefer it. He told me more about the horrors he'd endured. We couldn't smoke, sing or drink for the entire journey. There was no toilet on board. How, how far was this? All the way. All the way. From the boat right through the entire journey. To Santon? That's right. Uncomfy? Well, not so much that as it's... Well... They weren't leather, all sheepskin. And you were forced to sit on those? We were, we were. The women as well. There was no standing while the coach was moving at all. We were actually strapped into them. Seatbelts? That's right. We weren't allowed to unfasten them until the coach stopped. But things were to only get worse for the inmates. We've also been speaking to Shirley. That is her real name, but never mind. Shirley was horrified when she arrived at the hotel and was shown to her cell. I mean, bedroom. I told one more, and I knew. I almost cried. Those pillows. They were a real feather, not hypoallergenic. Did anyone offer to swap them? Well, yeah. They said it could take an hour or so while they got everyone checks in. Were you offered any food or drink while you waited? Nothing, other than the welcome fizz and campaigns. <laughs> Inmates at Comdits were then forced, or at least asked nicely by the hotel staff, to sit in their rooms for several hours with nothing more than a TV, Netflix, well-stocked minibar, packets of dry-roasted nuts, salted nuts, chocolate bourbons, custard creams, English breakfast, tea bags, Nescafe, sachets, a kettle, Wi-Fi, complimentary newspapers and magazines, and a Gideon Bible for company. <laughs> Some were so stressed, they actually took to reading it. Another inmate who we'll call, I don't know, John also bravely recounted to me what he describes 
as psychological torture. On the third day, I think it was, they all just became a blur of box set, binge-watching and serving Amazon Prime after a while. They came to my room with a tray and placed it on the table. What was on it? It was a supreme of chicken with tarragon, new potatoes, petit pois, baby carrots. But, but then... Then... Do you want me to stop recording? No, no, I'll be, I'll be alright. I, I want people, I want government to know. Then, without warning, the waiter, he, he poured out a glass of red wine. Red wine with chicken. Manx Radio has contacted the Comis Hotels management, who've described the inmates as one of the most ungrateful groups of customers they've ever had. A formal investigation has been launched by at least one very bored MHK into a potential breach of the inmates' human rights. All of them have now been released back into the community. The long-term effect on their mental well-being, however, is still being assessed, though most of them have now lost the weight they put on. Beth. Yes? That's... I've finished the report. Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, Mickey Ernest reporting. Oh, yes? Oh, sorry. Thanks to Mickey for that. And if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this report, then you can contact the Department of Tourism directly. Or you can just uh, read the ratings on TripAdvisor and make your own mind up. Well, tomorrow at this time, we'll have another report from William Pitt the Younger on the socio-economic effects of lockdown on ethnic subgroups within a mixed Celtic-Caucasian populace. But now, it's time for... Where's Marty hiding? History. <laughs> yes, I can give you a clue to an event from the last thousand years of Manx history, and all you have to do is guess which event it is. So, let's hear today's audio clue. <laughs> There it is, and I think it might go today. I think some of you might have got that. If it doesn't, I'm going to tell you anyway. Well, you've been sending your guesses in. I can tell you it's not Nods for Rods in Strand Street. It's not the dog's home. No, it's not Laxey. Um, it's not the Positive Action Group meeting or, or Sarah's Cottage. Other wrong guesses, they include uh, Hannah Bananas in Port Erin, the Grange Rural Life Museum in 1974, and Port St Mary Commissioners. Oh, hold on a second, Ben. Who's that on line one? Oh, it's Mary. Um, is, it, uh, is it Nightlife in Ramsey? Oh, it's not, I'm afraid, Mary. Well, is it... Is it the Manx News and Politics Christmas Party? Oh, I'm sorry, Mary, you only get one guess. Is it the, um... I said you only get one guess, Mary. Right. Well, I think I'm going to have to give you this one. Let's have it one more time. <laughs> I was actually hiding in the Battle of Ronald's Way in 1275. <laughs> Let's have some Boney M. With so little happening during lockdown, Manx Radio's newsroom have had to work even harder than normal to find anything of any interest whatsoever to report on. Even then, this hasn't always been successful. The team has had to frequently fall back on its default strategy of simply making stories up. Although, that's been made more difficult by the Department of Infrastructure, who've been providing news stories so ridiculous members of the public simply assume they're made up, even when they're true. Radio News in lockdown on yet another day, though I don't know which, do you? It doesn't really matter anyway, no one's doing anything. My God, I'm bored. Or am I, Rianne? Whatever. Our top news story. Manx Utilities insists a new hosepipe ban imposed after 10 days of totally unpredictable, quite warm weather in May is the right thing to do. After a winter described by the Met Office as 35% more miserable than usual, the MUA said it was unreasonable to expect that springtime would be any better. Under new emergency powers, the ban, which came into effect as soon as customers started wanting water, means anyone found with a hosepipe can be fined, imprisoned, or executed by firing squad. It's been described as yet another U-bend by the government, who <laughs> earlier in the year had advised residents to hose their dirty dishes down in the garden and flush their toilets over and over again in order to get the levels in reservoirs down a bit. 
The Water Board says the ban will remain in place all summer, regardless of the weather. However, it will be removed in plenty of time for this year's laxy floods. <laughs> the new minister at the DOI says it's possible the redesigned tram line on Douglas Promenade may be on a flyover. Tim Bakerlight says the prom is already shaping up to be a multi-level development with the road surface at all sorts of different heights. <laughs> Inspired by a recent holiday on the Glangothlin Canal, Mr. Bakerlight says trams and horses could operate in a so-called equiduct above the promenade, picking up passengers via a pulley and ladder system attached to lampposts. He reckons the best way forward for this so-called tram-in-the-sky development could be to use the established DOI technique of just going ahead and building it without any prior consultation in order to save hassle. <laughs> Ramsey MHK, Laurie Hoopinkoff, has tweeted to say he thinks the idea is bollocks and that being shot on by an airborne seagull is bad enough, never mind a horse. <laughs> The Chief Minister has rejected claims that even after months of national emergency, the Minister for Home Affairs still has nothing of any use to say. <laughs> Hashtag Howie Quayle was speaking shortly after Minister Graham Craigwillies finally broke cover to host a press conference in which he stated, You've all done very well. Minister Craig Willies racked up his first press conference appearance following 850 appearances by Chief Minister Quayle, 849 appearances by Vice Chief Minister David Ashton under Lyme, 705 appearances by Education Minister Dr Alison Wonderland, 612 by Treasury Minister Alfred Bazooka, and even a respectable six by the MHK with responsibility for Manx knobs and dog poo, Jason Moorhen. <laughs> Mr. Quayle says Minister Craig Willies, who was handed the portfolio shortly before the pandemic, has been too busy learning how to read. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, sorry. Too busy learning how to read government press releases in public. It's been claimed lockdown in the Isle of Man would have been achieved far more effectively if the Department of Infrastructure had been put in charge of organising it. <laughs> the remarks came from Douglas East MHK, Chris Robshaw Hotel, who said the department had been effectively hindering anyone from making journeys for decades with a minimum of effort and absolutely no consultation. <laughs> Mr. Robshaw Hotel had previously apologised to the House of Keys for arriving two hours late for a sitting, which he said was down to not allowing enough time for a journey into Douglas from Onken, despite having set off the previous day. <laughs> and we've just heard a roads policing investigation into the new traffic layout at Governor's Bridge has concluded there is a high probability that someone could be seriously hurt. Chief Constable Gary Newman said following an investigation by a group of traffic officers, it was clear the person most likely to be injured was the knobhead in the DOI who came up with the layout. <laughs> Now, at this point, you may well be wondering, how does Manx Radio continue to produce such high-quality, informative and engaging content all year round, whilst all the while having enough taxpayers' dosh left over for its fortnightly champagne parties? <laughs> well, the answer is simple. As well as taking money from the public purse, Manx Radio also sells advertising space to corporations. You may have noticed the odd advert or subtle jingle cropping up on the station from time to time. This is a funding model which ensures the best of both worlds, accurate and impartial public service broadcasting for the masses with a good old dose of influence from the beloved private sector. Let's take a quick commercial break right now. You have to go there and be locked up in quarantine. At breakfast they don't serve butter but margarine. Fourteen whole days, I think I might vent my spleen at the Comis Hotel. <laughs> Get all my food from a vending machine If I try to leave I'll get put in a guillotine Fourteen more days and then hopefully I can leave The Comis Hotel There's never been a better time to travel with the Isle of Man steam packet Why you ask? Well it's simple, there's no one on it No kids, no yobs, no bikers, no music, no gambling machines, no queues, no cars and no excessively loud films. And chances are, 
you aren't the only one being sick on board. <laughs> the Outman Steam Baggage. Better when no one's on it. Oh, and remember, you're still paying for it, one way or another. Oh, a panic bought all this stuff in March and now it's just taking up space. Tired of vital supplies taking up space in your home, garage, or critical care unit? Fears of the apocalypse subsiding for the time being? Ready to embrace normality after months of stockpiling? Call Kameen's Scrap PPE. The only name you need when it comes to medical surplus. We'll get rid of your unwanted life-saving supplies with good prices on masks, bog roll, hand wash, ventilators and more. What will you do with all that PPE? Easy. We'll break it down and fill in the potholes. Good thinking, Kameens. Now that virus is dead and gone, let's move on. Kameens, scrap PPE. Call today and keep the virus at bay. Hello, I'm Colonel David Ashford. You may know me as the Health Minister, but what you may not know is I make delicious chicken nuggets. So come and eat at my new chain of restaurants, the DAHFC, David Ashford Hearty Fried Chicken in Wellaston. Let's see what our customers think. Mmm, David, how do you make it so delicious? The total number of confirmed ingredients is 246. 6,000 people have been with nuggets, with 28 waiting for an ashy meal. Truth, this chicken is divine. A real treat for the great Manx public. Not, not everyone can be a cordon bleu chef, but you are, sir. Even our biggest attractors can't say no to the DAHFC. I came here to complain about gross misuse of planning under emergency powers, but left with a scrumptious high-carb meal for all the family. But what about the condiments? Has anyone thought about the condiments? Never mind that. So get yourself down to DAHFC. Once you've had it, you know you've got it. Welcome back to the Nation Station, where you're just in time for another gripping government coronavirus media briefing. This conference is being translated into teen by a member of the government youth branch, Jeff the Phoenix. Well, well, well good afternoon, everyone. Well, go on, fam. I have some good news to impart on you all today. Got some mint, Jen. It's like, well, sick, buzzing, isn't it? I know how some of you have been complaining that the measures we've introduced have been, well, harsh or unfair. You think you've been snide again? Well, now I'm going to say something which should hopefully quell some of those criticisms. I'm saying you can, like, quit calling Howie you pecking me head. <laughs> now, I know the weather is a little bit cooler today. Oh, it's well chad, isn't it? But from today... You may invite some of your friends and family members into your house or garden for a beverage. Yo, fam, you can come to McGaff and we can have a, a few bifters and a bevy, if you know what I'm saying. So I do hope I've made myself understood. You get me. And indeed, hopefully some of you can take some comfort from this latest progression in our policy. Uh, <laughs> so, why not invite a couple of your homies around and... I'll just have a right old sit-off in your yard, G. Oh, Howard, you've ruined it. Well, thank you for your helpful assistance there, young man, right honourable Mr Mongoose the Spook. <laughs> I'll now take questions, and our first one is from... Oh, it's Paul, Paul Melton from MTV. <laughs> Fast am I, Paul? Uh, yeah, 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 hi, Chief Minister, yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was just wondering, test result, what about, you know, the council of ministers? Well, just, well, will you give us an update on that, really? I'm, I'm ever so sorry, Paul. I didn't quite get that. Uh, maybe it's your connection. Could you, could you try again, please? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just wondering, just, you know, we've been hearing about the test results and the council of ministers, will you give us an update, really? Paul, I am struggling to get any sense out of you here. Can, can you speak more clearly no, for th me? Typical gas by government, Chief Minister. What about the test troubles? I mean, who put the ram in the ram like a ding-dong? Surely you agree it's time to resign. Look, Paul, if you can't start speaking sense, we're going to have to move on, OK? North Korea, Ireland, so strong and so fair. OK, thank you, Paul. Uh, this is what we get, folks, for letting any old half-job media organisation into these briefings. <laughs> I told them. I told them it was a bad idea. Anyway, moving on, and we now have... Um, Danny Ginormous Tits from FHM Magazine. Uh, your question, please, Danny. 
Pastor Mai, Chief Minister, will you accept that the longer you keep the island's economy in this self-imposed stagnation, the more you miss, risk depleting the hard-earned reserves, undercutting the surplus, and thereby undoing the good work of several successive administrations? Bit of a frivolous question, I think, isn't it? <laughs> Very disappointing that you've chosen to ask, actually. Um, next question, we'll move on. It's from um, Roger... T. Dodger from the Beano comic. Roger. Yes, uh, thank you, Mr. Quayle. Uh, there have been calls to temper the island's bloated civil service for many years, and with the overall impact on forecast GDP in mind, would you not agree? Mm. It is now oh, yes, yes. And I suppose you think that's funny, do you? We'll have no more wise-cracking silly questions today, please. No more jokes. Let's take our last question now. Oh, good. A proper broadcaster. Tim Glover from Manx Radio. Tim. <laughs> Pastor Mai, Chief Minister. Pastor Mai, Tim. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Tim. And your second question, please. Ah. <laughs> oh, well, um, I was just wondering what your favourite thing is to have on your sandwiches. Well, thank you, Tim. That's a very good question. And this is an issue that the Council of Ministers has been looking at very closely in the last few weeks. And I can assure you it is corned beef. Thanks, Radio News in lockdown. The time is somewhere between midday and mid-afternoon snack time. <laughs> Our top story this hour. A bid to make helmets compulsory for cyclists has won support in the House of Keys. The government said an increase in the number of bikes on the roads were now proving a real annoyance to motorists, and if they were going to wind car drivers up like that, they should really expect to be knocked over. <laughs> The Infrastructure Minister, Tim Butcher, said cycling's growing popularity was due in no small part to superstars like Mark Cavendish, who'd really put the island on the map as a nation of helmets. <laughs> An amendment which would have forced all cyclists to wear day-glow pink lycra bearing the words, I'm a massive Walter, also passed. <laughs> There was a surprising decrease in car crashes during March and April, according to the Manx Police. Police say they're awestruck at the sudden drop in the accident rate over lockdown, which came with a similar shockfall in crimes, including bar fights and pig rustling. <laughs> Speaking at a press conference, Chief Constable Gary Bergerac said he couldn't comprehend why not having anyone out driving caused such a drastic decline in collisions. <laughs> He added he'd be putting more officers out on the roads just to make sure they weren't missing any. <laughs> Talks are ongoing to create an air bridge between the Isle of Man and Syria. <laughs> the Middle Eastern nation has been fighting a bloody civil war for almost a decade, but just like the Isle of Man, Syria has remained largely COVID-free due to a lack of tourists wishing to visit the country. <laughs> It's hoped direct flights between Ronald's Way and the disputed territory of Aleppo can begin soon, with Syrian Chief Minister Bashar al-Assad saying he's looking forward to welcoming the first plane full of Manx tourists, if God wills it. <laughs> there will be some security checks at the border due to fears in Syria that an influx of Manx travellers could bring chaos to their otherwise peaceful nation. <laughs> And in sports, the Isle of Man's new national football side has pulled off a stunning victory against none other than Liverpool FC. Yes, would you believe it? FC Isle of Man took on the Premier League winners in a pre-season friendly at the Bowl last Saturday. Luck was on FC Isle of Man's side as the game got underway. As due to coronavirus travel restrictions, the entire Liverpool squad was still self-isolating at the Comus Hotel for 14 days. <laughs> That gave FC Isle of Man a clear run against the Reds, with the Manxies going on to score an incredible 84 goals in 90 minutes against the playerless Liverpool. There was an own goal early in the second half <laughs> by Paul Rose striker Jamie Dangley, who forgot they were playing the other way. But ultimately, the thrilling game ended 84-1 to the Manxies. FC Isle of Man's next fixture is against Manchester United away at Old Trafford on the 15th, but with travel restrictions still likely, both teams have agreed to forget it and call it a draw. <laughs> Hello everyone. Uh, <clears throat> I'm very sorry to, uh, to interrupt the show. My name is Neville, 
Um, and I was wondering if you could just spare me a, just, just a couple of minutes of your time. Would, uh, would that be all right? Yes! <laughs> Don't overdo it. <laughs> oh, bless, 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 bless you all. We were, uh, we were just down the Legion Club a few moments ago and, uh, and everyone told me to, uh, what was it? Oh yeah, get f***ed. <laughs> However, you all seem like a really lovely, generous bunch of folk and, and, and the folks at the scenery, Centenary Centre said, well, they'd, they'd be more than happy to blow a tenor on a night of so-called uh, entertainment. All in aid of, um, what was it in aid of? Oh, this! <laughs> Dump. Um, <laughs> dearie me. And all they had to do was offer you some out-of-date Bushy's beer. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, since uh, you have all the money to piss up the wall, I'm here with an appeal. We have set up a new benevolent organisation, you see, to, to, to address a problem which has been making life very difficult for some poor souls during the lockdown period. Now, some of the people who have who have come to us to face such hardship and we just want to help them, we really do. So I, I brought one of our service users along today. Maybe he can uh, tell you more about some of the struggles that, that he's been through. This is, uh, <laughs> this is Chris Thomas, everyone. Uh, say, say hello, Chris. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I think I recognise some of you here. Residents of Central Douglas, perhaps. Hello, hello. Oh, I saw you at the bank's gas. Yeah, all right, Chris, all right, it's all right. It's okay, you, you don't have to canvas in here. This is a, this is a safe place. Uh, now, <laughs> tell the people what it is that's happened to you. Okay. My name is Chris, and up until coronavirus came along, I had a successful job as the Policy and Reform Minister at Howard's Cabinet. I used to get invited to all the nice lunches and Alfie would let me sit with them at the big boys' table. <laughs> I felt like I had everything. I didn't have to worry about anything like small-time constituency issues or any of the problems ordinary people had. All I cared about was where my next bit of legislation was coming from. Now, now Chris was actually suffering from an addiction, weren't you, Chris? That's right. He was hooked on a really, really poisonous, tedious things like reforming the planning and building control system, uh, renegotiating profit shares agreements with energy companies, even hobnobbing with the elderly over their BBC licence fees. There was a dark chapter in my life, but I just kept chasing that high. Nothing compared to when I was alone with my copies of Hansard or attending high-level officer briefings. It was just so wonderful. Oh, yes, but... <laughs> But like lots of people who have Chris's lifestyle, it, it eventually caught up with him. I felt invincible. Like, <laughs> like nothing could touch me. But then, then... Go on, Chris, go on. There's, there's no judgement here. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I voted against the Council of Ministers. <laughs> I, I'm so ashamed. I feel like I've let everybody no, down. Sorry. There, 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 there. Collective responsibility is a terrible thing. I just, I just couldn't support a shift of policy from face-to-face -face planning appeal inquiries to decisions based on written submissions on a temporary basis. You know do, what I mean? That's clear. Do you hear that, everyone? This is still a nightmare Chris is living with every day. Because that's what addiction can do, to be so invested in tedious, pointless minutiae that would make any normal individual want to scratch his own eyes out with a biro. Another minister might have just shut up, sat back and kept quiet for the pay packet, wouldn't they, Chris? But you couldn't. No, in the blink of an eye, I lost everything. My dependency on my principles cost me my ministerial title, my comb in biscuit tin privileges, my office my electric car parking space, the lot. When we found Chris, he was living destitute. That's right. He'd been reduced to the life of a Keys backbencher. It's awful. <laughs> Attending requisition meetings about roadworks, 
fielding phone calls from constituents and council houses. It was just awful for him. <laughs> to, to be fair, I actually love requisition meetings. Shut up. <laughs> but that's where we stepped in, isn't it? You see, folks, thanks to the Manx Hypocrisy Fund, we help people like Chris realise life isn't over after ministerhood. You see, you can actually live a really rich, full life as an MHK outside the government. And hope is never lost. Because remember, like we always say, just wait for another minister screw to screw up and you'll be back in. <laughs> or, failing that, ride, ride it, it out, out and, wait and wait for, for the Lechco. <laughs> so, folks, that's where you come in. For as little as £200 a month, you can ensure <laughs> that an MHK like Chris is supplied with clean, refreshing Perrier water to drink, has someone to press his trousers, and doesn't have to eat any of the cheap crap that they serve in the Timmel canteen. Your donations actually bought me this entertaining games console, so I don't die of boredom during sittings of the Keys when I'm not involved, which is mostly all the time. <laughs> And, of course, you can agree to sponsor an MHK. They'll write to you every month to tell you what they've been up to, and... Oh, oh yes. So, this month, I've been... Uh, all right, Chris, all right, all right, all right, all right. There's no need up. to put them off. Okay, sorry. <coughs> so remember, folks, sponsor an MHK. You can get a small, cuddly MHK to keep for yourself. <laughs> and we'd just like to say thank you, everyone, for your care. Thank you, thank you. Due to the restrictions, this year's Timble Day celebrations have been cancelled. But the day itself continues, as it has for the last 1,041 years, with many of the same people who were there back then still playing a part. <laughs> But not even a global pandemic could get in the way of the Isle of Man's awkward customs, which dictate that the laws passed in the last legislative year only become statute if they're shouted out in the rain from a small grassy mound to a largely bored or even non-existent audience. <laughs> we can join whispering Johnny Moskins now, live at the ceremony. Yes, and uh, thank you. As Lady Gaga once said, Russian roulette is not the same without a gun. And baby, when it's love, if it's not rough, it isn't fun. Well, it's not been much fun for the Timwald Organising Committee of late, but it seems it is love. As since news broke that most of the proceedings had been cancelled here at St John's, the crowds have been streaming in. The grandstand, a cycle from the old one on Glencrutcher Road, of course, is packed for the first time in recent years, with hundreds turning up, safe in the knowledge that they won't have to sit for hours just watching people in ill-fitting dress suits walking up and down a path strewn with weeds. But despite the stripped-back proceedings, a few MHKs haven't been able to resist the chance to turn up and show up to the adult crowd. They're taking the chance to strut their stuff in their best city walks towards the hill. Now, here you can see the MHKs of Griba and Yaga doing a crab fashion in honour of the great Manx crab. Splendid stuff, gentlemen. Crab really lapping it up here at St John's. What are these lot up to? Oh, yes, it's a one-legged hopping display in aid of the Manx Amputee Society. It's well on the Fairfield. Many of the children, who were usually force-marched up the road from Peel, have turned up today, but are just milling around smoking and enjoying themselves, which is nice to see. Watch out for this chappie. That's the MHK for Smale and Jerby West limbering up. He's trying to set a new world record in the Chapel to Hill Sprint. <laughs> Certainly on for new PB here. What's happening here now? Oh, oh, it seems to be one of the members is reprimanding the children. Is he... Oh, <clears throat> never mind that. No, he's been won over by the youths and a rather suspicious-looking cigarette. Oh, well, would you look at that? They've even got him dancing along to the brass band. Fantastic. This is certainly shaping up to be the busiest, and I must say, with the removal of so much of the formal aspect of the day, happiest Timwell day since 1979. 
and we'll have to pack it in there. They've just spotted us filming. Oh dear. Meanwhile, up in the distant north of the island, there's a very important guest at the Currux Wildlife Park. The Manx Environment Minister, Baron Geoffrey Boot, has been suffering with some bad press lately. Last summer, he was spotted hosting the Ellen Vanin Pipes and Drums Band for Amelia, just days after implementing an all-island-wide bagpipe ban. He was widely criticised this year for a plan to import and grape partridges and squirrels to the island, with the sole intention of making them fight each other. In an effort to clean up his tattered image, he's arranged a ministerial visit to the wildlife park to see the hard work they undertake in conserving endangered species for people to gawp at through glass. Thank you so much for coming to visit, Minister. It's such a pleasure to show you around our little wildlife park. Oh no, please, no need to call me Minister. Just plain old Baron Geoffrey will do, or, or Lord, or your Lordship, or something like that. <laughs> okay, Lord. Um, that's it, a very distinctive aftershave you're wearing. What is that? Oh, this. This is uh, just my everyday cologne. I, I had it made out in Swaziland. It's the Horn of African Black Rhino. <laughs> That's a, a very endangered species. Uh, precisely. That adds to the fun of hunting it. <laughs> well, we here at the Currigs are firm believers in conservation. A noble cause. I am something of a conservative myself. And... Of course, having more rare animals means we won't run out of them uh, when we need to kill them for pleasure. Oh, indeed. Well, um, these are our new silvery gibbons. We had them here on loan from the island of Java. <laughs> how darling. Look at them. Hello there. Hello. Uh, so how much? Oh, no, they're not for sale. Oh, do be a sport. I, I'm in need of some new housekeeping staff, and they look like they'd serve an excellent afternoon tea. Um, I'll give you 20,000 each for the pair. Let's move on, shall we? Um, these are our lemurs. Aren't they just so cute? Yes, they are rather uh, dashing. Uh, well, that lemurs, um, that reminds me, uh, my, uh, my niece is having a birthday this week, and she's after a, a new sort of, what do you say, winter fur hat. Um, a couple of them would do a trick. I don't think so, Minister. Oh, please, they just look darling with her wallaby fur coat. <laughs> we really don't condone the killing of animals for sport or pleasure here, Minister. Well, what about pest control, uh, the likes of vermin? Well, those would be slightly different circumstances. And Do you know, we had an awful problem with pests in my constituency of Peel recently. Oh? Yes, this damn dolphin kept swimming into the bay, <laughs> disturbing the fishing fleets, which I'm working so hard to support, don't you believe it, and uh, <laughs> kept bringing her offspring with her as well. Please don't tell me that you shot the dolphin. <laughs> well, I'm not that good, but uh, no, we uh, simply let the toxic silt get in there and take care of them. That is awful. I mean, what a waste. You wouldn't be saying that if you tried the wife's baby dolphin pate. <laughs> Lovely, with a glass of ivory juice. Well, Minister, this, uh, this has been really enlightening for us both, I hope. There's just one more exhibit to show you, and he's very popular here at the park. It's, it's Kush, our resident red panda. Uh, I, I can't see him. Oh, he, he must be with his babies. He's just become a daddy. He can be... Quite an elusive character. The latches on his enclosure seem to be open. Oh no, he must have escaped again. Escaped? Oh, the little bastard has a tendency to do this. It seems to happen every time we leave the door open. Don't worry, I'm going to send out an alert and we'll have the rangers go out looking for him. He can't have got far. Don't worry, sweetheart, the Baron will take care of this one. I have a knack for hunting, the rare and the elusive. Mm, I can smell Kush in the air. Oh no, that might be Dr. Allenson over there. Hang on. <laughs> Oh, look, 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 there he is, there he is. Oh, yes. Kush. Yes, that's Kush. it. Kush, come here. Come on, Kush. Come out, Kush, gently, come Kush. On, yeah, that's come right, on. that's right. Come on, boy. <laughs> Jeffrey, you've just killed our red panda. <laughs> and a bloody good shot it was, too. He'll do me barbecue tomorrow.
Now on Manx Radio, it's time for a choice of listening. Not much of a choice, admittedly. Either retune to FM for more of the same old shite, or here on AM, we're heading live, or at least live-ish, to the Timwall Chamber for today's debate on whether there could possibly be any racial discrimination within our middle-aged, middle-class, predominantly white Tory Manx political system and broader community. Yes, honourable members, I... Yes, yes, quieten down, order, order. I, I must stress that in this very important debate today, that if I detect even a single note of inherent racism, implied or unimplied, then that member will be immediately asked to leave the court. Is that understood, honourable members? Oh, yes, understood, understood. Uh, first to speak is member for the Ledge Co, Miss April, May, June, July, August Hansen. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. Unlike many of you who, of course, have spent your whole lives stuck on the island, I've been around a bit living in various parts of the world, and I'd really like to contrast my life in White City compared to the years I spent in Blackpool. Your point of order, point of order, objection. Yes, yes, I'm sorry, honourable member, we can't allow that language. You'll have to leave the chamber. What? No, no, I'm, I'm talking about England. I'll leave the chamber, please. Uh, the next to speak is the member for Maloo and Castletown, Mr Jason Moorhen. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It seems to me this has been an issue of our time, and one which involves whole sectors of the community being unfairly ostracised. Now, speaking as one who, as a young man, was seen as the black sheep of the oh, family. Oh, no, yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. We cannot tolerate that kind of language, member. Please leave the court. But, uh, but I, but I... Uh, thank you. Close the door on your way. Uh, next to speak is Mr West Douglas MHK, Chris Thomas. Thank you, Mr President. As many of you know, I'm university educated, not just a poxy shopkeeper or a pharmacist or a former farmer or a postman or well-known community figure. And as such, I'm particularly well-read. Oh, point oh, no, of order, no, no, point no, of order, no, no. Mr yeah, President. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, Honourable Member. Your use there of the word red, that's clearly derogatory to our Cherokee, Apache and Navajo communities on the Isle of Man. I'm afraid you'll have to leave, sir. That's Goodbye. Defamation. That's defamation. Oh. That's not funny. Please leave the chamber. Next to speak, the Honourable Member for Council, Jane Pooled Resources. Thank you, Mr President. I believe we can hardly be surprised by the fact that we're having to have this debate today. I mean, it's not like the issue has come out of the blue. Oh, point of order, point yeah, of order. Yes, yes. I'm afraid that could be seen as being anti the island's Inuit community. Oh, yeah, language now, honourable <laughs> member, please piss off now out of the chamber. <laughs> ne- next to the take the floor, Mrs. Kane. Well, Mr. President, this really isn't a grey area. Ageist, Mr. President, yeah, ageist. Yes, yes, there'll be no grey speak here. Out you go. At next. Douglas East member, Mr. Rob Shore Hotel. Thank you, Mr. President. Now, I'm not going to drone on interminably as I usually do. I am going to keep this very short. And I'm sure we'll be tickled pink, honourable member. (laughs) Objection! Objection! For what? Overruled. So, Mr. President, one would like to think our open and tolerant multicultural society would indeed make other jurisdictions green with envy. Uh, Yes, yes, Minister. This could be viewed as discriminatory against our non-human Martian friends in the community. You'll have to leave, I'm afraid. And actually, you're the last one out there, Mr. Robshaw Hotel, so please will you turn off the lights? Well, honourable members and those of you in the gallery, I think this has been a most successful Keys debate. Inasmuch as usual, we have achieved nothing. But for have at least proved what many of us have known about for years, to discriminate based on the colour of one's skin makes you, to quote the Lord Bishop himself, a complete bellend. <laughs> So, back on the nation station, we're just in time for another ad break. 
Jeffrey? Yes, my love? Are you looking after the island's national bovine herd properly? Oh, cows, yes, my love. What about the pasture? You haven't set fire to it again, have you? No, no, I promise there's no grass smoking going on anywhere around here. What about the ovine herd? Are they fully compliant with our rules? They're following like sheep, my love. And the little ones, are they ready for the market? Yes, yes, my love, like lambs to the slaughter. How are the pigs doing? Are the boars doing their job properly? Making bacon, yes, my love. What about the environment? You're making sure the Manx bird life is thriving in our countryside, especially those lovely little yellow, black and green birds with long tails. Yes, my love, I'm always on the lookout for great tits. I'll get these friggin' windows fixed then. That was the latest government COVID-19 briefing given today by the Minister for the Department of Environment, Food and Agriculture. Oh no, not again. That Tommy next door really ought to improve his left foot. Don't worry, the storm did the damage last time and it's easy to sort it out. Look, I'll call him over. Tommy! Tommy! Yes? Can you come here, please, sweetheart? Oh, okay. What's the point in this? He won't be able to repair the glass, will he? Now, Tommy, you know when you're kicking with your left foot? Yes? Well, don't do a toey like this. <laughs> Line up the ball on the inside of the foot and swing through on target like this. <laughs> So it stays in your garden, and that way no one will get hurt, and we're both happy. Got it? Yes. That's great! If you've got some smashing children next door, invite them round and give them a good old-fashioned kicking. Don't be smashing anymore. This is a public announcement from the operators of Isle of Man Tramways. Will members of the public please refrain from waiting for horse trams on Douglas Promenade? There aren't any for another year, and you could either die from hypothermia or get knocked down, particularly if you're standing in the northbound carriageway. And please, don't feed the horses. There aren't any on the pom currently. Anything spotted there with slightly shaggy hair, panting and smelling a bit sweaty, despite only working for two hours a day, will actually be a workman on the prom development scheme. Whilst they are happy to eat polos out of your hand or accept free drinks, please don't encourage them. They're around 18 months behind schedule as it is. Before we leave the world of IM19, we have a very special treat for you all. It's another government press conference. Despite life on the island having gone mostly back to normal, our friendly overlords have deemed it necessary to let the public know that all is well, and they're still busy making sure it stays that way. Today's conference is also being streamed live on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok and Pornhub. Well, good, good afternoon everyone, and thanks for tuning in to episode 2364 of our Isle of Man Government Press Briefing Conference Briefings. Do be sure to stay tuned until the end, when we have a very special musical number from the Nobles Hospital Intensive Care Unit Gospel Choir. Before that though, I'm joined by the Health Minister, David Ashington, who will give you the latest figures. Thank you, Chief Minister. The total number of confirmed tests is 2,568, there are four people waiting for a test and 11 people in the GUM clinic with a weeping chappy. There are currently 57 varieties of Heinz, 20 shillings in a pound, 8 furlongs in a mile and zero active cases of COVID-19. Okay, thank you David. Now, because David has been such a polite and well-behaved young man, isn't he lovely, isn't he? We're going to let him do the shout-outs today. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. Yes, I know you have your Howard's heroes, but these are my Ash Lickers. (laughs) Our shout-out today goes to the hardest-working doctor I know. That's right, it's Dr Pepper. (laughs) For keeping us all refreshed to the max during the press briefings. New Dr Pepper, available in all good stores. Cheers. Save that one for later. Well, thank you, David, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Allow me to leave you, if you will, with some words of Chief Ministerial Wisdom, because I know you all love them so much. As the late, great Biggie Smalls once said, Shit, don't ask me, I went from ashy to nasty to classy, and I couldn't have put it better myself. Maybe it was the efforts of you, the great Manx public. Maybe it was good fortune. But it seems, for some reason, COVID-19 has chosen to do what so many businesses and families here end up doing, 
and decided after a few months of living here, it would much rather go and settle somewhere else where there's a bit more going on. <laughs> now, we on the Isle of Man are COVID-free, and we should be very proud. It's such a pleasure to be able to go to bars, nightclubs, restaurants, all-you-can-eat restaurants, and centenary centres again, and indeed go back to doing normal things like only washing your hands after doing a number two. <laughs> and to be honest, folks, what else have we got to worry about? I mean, yes, granted, there's always the threat of a second wave, the rising unemployment rate, a few companies going bust here and there. The catastrophic global recession. Thank you, David. Yes, there's widening wealth inequality and poverty, increased social unrest, the effects of prolonged border closure on our people and industries. People turning to alcohol and drug abuse in isolation, the hyper-aging population, increased pressure on the health and social care system, coupled with years of underfunding. Brexit, your newfound hatred for your spouse and children. Climate change, we're all getting fatter. A generation of kids have been shafted. What else now? What else we got? Uh, um, does the secret government plan to build super-intelligent, laser-powered robot well, uh, border uh, guards? Uh, 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 <laughs> don't be silly, David. There is absolutely no such thing, folks, as super-intelligent, laser-powered robot border guards. You zip it, you bloody idiot. <laughs> but yes, as I say, aside from those minor things, I don't think there's anything much to worry about, really. Thank you. Take care. I am 19 was a four wise men production recorded for Max Radio at Field Centenary Centre. It was written, directed and performed by Edwina Roach, Lee Craig and Gwen Wayne, with additional performances by Wallace Smirch, Tyler H. Bean and Hay Van Rains. Special thanks go to Brian Zarino, Bush's Brewery for the free booze and the team at Field Centenary Centre for hosting us this evening. And finally, many thanks to you, our lovely audience, for not coming maybe once, but this could be the second time. Have a safe journey home, and if you're going back to Douglas, good luck. Good night, and thank you. Thank you.